This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. This Christmas season, we're in a series We're taking the different Christmas carols, breaking them down, figuring out where they came from and what they mean to us, okay? So as we prepare to receive this today, let's go ahead and bow our heads and ask the Lord to open His Word to us. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your goodness. And Lord, I pray that today You will change who we are. Lord, we didn't come to this place today to simply hear someone recite a story. We came to embrace the one who the story is about. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I think sometimes this, this time of year becomes about uh, a little bit too much about presents. I think that it becomes before you, you know, I'm not being a, uh, you know, I mean, I like presents. I told somebody, my wife said to me, I got everything you asked for, but it's still going to be a surprise because I can't remember what I asked for. Amen. But it's not really about presence. It really is about, listen to the difference, presence. It's really more about presence because when we realize what God has done, in the beginning, God would come and walk with man. And as he would walk with man, they were together in each other's presence. I think sometimes we miss the beauty of the moment of this season because we're too worried about the present that we don't focus on the presence of those we walk with. That we don't celebrate those that we've gathered with. That we don't celebrate. So what did Jesus say that he came to restore? That which had been lost. What had been lost was man's ability to come into the presence of God. Yesterday morning, I had been reading my Bible, and as I was after I was reading my Bible, I, I, it was just kind of a busy moment. A lot of things were happening. I had an early uh, morning conversation I was supposed to have with a pastor, kind of about some things they were doing at their church this weekend. And, and in the middle of all that, I remember I just closed my eyes for a moment, and I, I was thinking, this is my prayer time. This is the time that I enter into His presence. And it was like the moment I closed my eyes, I knew I was in His presence. And then I heard, whether it was the flesh or, or whatever it was, say, who do you think you are just to go right into His presence? I mean, who do you think you are just to boldly go right into His presence? And then I realized something. There is no right that I have to boldly enter into His presence, but it is an access granted by the gift of Jesus Christ that we might all boldly approach His presence. Yeah. And so when we're thinking about the power of presence this year, this, this story that, that centers around the O Holy Night Carol really sums things up for us. Now imagine the year is 1847. It is a small, out-of-the-way French uh, province. There's a local, unknown parish priest who approaches a poet. And this French commissioner of wines for the area. So here, basically, he goes to, for lack of a better way to sum it up, he goes to their local liquor store owner. Have your attention? And he says to him, I realize in your part time, you are a poet. His name was Francis Capot. And he asked him, will you pen a poem, sir, for the upcoming 
Christmas Eve service. Now imagine the shock on the local liquor store owner's face as the local priest has walked in and said, I want you to write the centerpiece of the Christmas Eve service. Can I just break what I'm supposed to be doing up here and tell you that if you haven't realized it or not, you are the centerpiece of all of Christmas because Jesus came for you. In the last service, 10 people gave their life to Jesus Christ realizing that He had come for them. Amen. We celebrate that today. And so this man sits down and he's a little shocked. He, he, he says, I, I, I don't know why you would ask me, but I'm honored. And, and so he accepts the invitation. And all of his excitement as he sits down to pen a poem about that night, he realizes he's never really thought much about that night. So he goes to Luke chapter 2 in the Scriptures and he reads a very lengthy passage, but I think it's important for us today. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 6, reads like this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And, they were, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now listen, if you hear me stuttering over this passage, because I've read it my whole life, I preached it in a different version, my uh, a translation of the Scripture that's not as plain as this, and my mind's jumping ahead of what's on the screen. But an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. What did they say? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It went all the way to Jerusalem, I believe. Five miles away, they were hearing about the miracle that was happening. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May the Lord bless His Word. So he finishes reading this. And as he finishes reading this passage, this moment of inspiration comes over him. And he grabs his pen, and to parchment he writes these words, Oh, holy night. As he pens this poem, and he finishes, he sits back in awe because he realizes that it's like someone else was speaking through him. And he also notices that it's not really just a poem. 
So he goes and finds his friend who is a great uh, musician, and, and he finds a friend, and his name is Adolf Adam. And Adolf Adam is a local Jewish man. So here's the local liquor store owner who goes to the local Jewish man who doesn't celebrate Christmas and wants zero to do with this Jesus that is worshipped and says to him, will you write the music for this project? The Jewish man would say, Adolf would say, I feel overwhelmingly compelled to participate. And so he writes the score that goes along with the poem, Oh, Holy Night. Three weeks later, it is performed. And in this Christmas Eve service, it is so successful, quickly it is picked up by other churches. It begins to spread across Europe and gains the attention of those higher up in the Catholic Church. As they find it, all of a sudden they become very disturbed when they realize that a man who is not a churchgoer wrote the words, and a man who did not believe in Jesus wrote the music. So immediately they denounce the song, and the song is buried at that point. For ten years, for ten years, the song would lay unsung. But somehow a reclusive writer from the United States stumbled across the song. His name was John Sullivan Dwight. John Sullivan Dwight was not only a writer, but he was a famous writer for the fact that he wrote vehemently uh, stating that uh, slavery was wrong, that slavery must be abolished. When Dwight heard this song, and he read particularly the third verse, he was so convinced that it must become the anthem of all who would search for freedom, that it must become the anthem for all who were done wrong in this world. And these are the words that he celebrated. Truly he has taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains he shall break. For the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Oh, holy night. What an amazing beginning of a song. I'll come back to the song in just a moment, but can I tell you that I feel the song is inappropriately titled. I feel the song does not really sum up that night. We think of it when we sit by the, the candlelight or we sit by the, the light of our trees or we sit by uh, this time of year. We think of the holiness of the moment that when Jesus came. But can I tell you that there was nothing holy about the night that Jesus came. There was nothing holy about that moment. Some of you are going, wait a minute, pastor. Angels are showing up. People are singing. But no, no, no. I want to give you the standards of the world for holiness. Jesus came into a lowly place that was not considered holy. He was wrapped in old cloths that were not considered holy. He was laid in a manger. Can I tell you that anything that a creepy critter crawled on was unholy? How many of you would agree it's still unholy? Amen. 
<laughs> but anything that a creepy critter crawled on was unholy, and mangers were definitely something that little things would scurry into to make them unholy. There was nothing holy about the night. I hear what some of you are saying, but Pastor Don, think about what happened that night. But think about this for just a moment. Shepherds came who were considered some of the most unholy of all. They smelled like their job. They were stained by the, by the dirt of their job. They smelled like they got along better with the sheep than they did in the presence of people. The shepherds came. Others would come. Others would gather who were not perfect people, who were not holy people, and they would gather into a manger seen for that evening to see this child that had been born, that these crazy shepherds are declaring has been born the Messiah, and they would all come before him in this very unholy setting. Now, hold on a minute. I think some of you are still doubting the unholiness of it. You've got to understand what was holy in this setting. In the world they lived in, that if you wanted to get into what was holy, you had to step through the gate into the temple area. And those who were only moderately holy could, would have to go and take what we would call a baptism. They would go and wash. And as they would wash, they would all of a sudden get clean and they would step in. If they were only, if they were clean enough, they were allowed to step into the outer court. There was a place for women and then the men came into the outer court. And then if they had the right bloodlines, they were born into the right family and they had served in the right way and they had cleaned even more of themselves up, they were able to step into the inner court because that's what holiness was. Holiness was a, a barrier between God and man. I tell you, there was nothing holy about the night that he was born. But listen, this is what even holiness was even more. There was one guy out of the few people who left the, the, the crowd of people who left the bunch of people called the rest of us out there who was able one day for one moment, one uh, in one little brief uh, interlude to go in before the presence of God into the most holy place. So we have three standards of holiness here. And only one guy got to go in. Before he got to go in, he had to bathe in front of everybody and everybody had to inspect him to make sure he was clean enough to get in to the presence of God. They tied a rope around his leg in case they missed something and the presence of God killed him because he wasn't holy enough. That's the standard of holiness. Let me bring you back to a dirty little stable on the outskirts of a dirty little town that nobody even respected because it was the wrong side of the tracks. And in that dirty little stable, there were people who were not perfect. There were people who smelled. There were people who, who were staying with their jobs and staying with their past. Even sorcerers would come from the east at some point and they would all fall before the baby that was born on that night. Can I tell you, there was absolutely nothing holy about that night except the one who was born on that night and when he was born he redefined holiness it became that redefinition of holiness because what happened at that moment was this that he said I will bring those who don't deserve to come into my presence boldly into my presence I will bring people who have a past into my presence I will bring people whose sin may stain their hands into my presence I know what you're thinking Pastor Don it's Christmas Sunday you're supposed to behave I'm sorry I missed the memo but this is what I know I'm supposed to do. I've come to you with the gospel of Jesus Christ that on an unholy world, Jesus stepped into it and, and he rearranged it. As a matter of fact, he came to transform. 
He came with a transformative message. He came to redefine order. Because we thought we had to do this and then this and then this and maybe tie a rope around my leg. Maybe God will love me. Pastor Don, we wouldn't be so silly today. Can I tell you how many times people have, I can't even begin to fathom how many times people have said to me, when I get my life right, I'll start coming to church. When I straighten myself up, I'll start coming to church. That is the wrong mentality. That is, that is the mentality that predated a very special occurrence. That is the mentality that predated what happened in a manger 2,000 years ago. Now there's a new mentality. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, is the cry from the manger. Come unto me and find peace, Jesus says. But pastor, I'm not yet perfect. Good, I can preach to you. Because I am not yet perfect either. But He is. He is holy. And He is good. And His mercy endures forever. Look at the beauty of this song, how it parallels Luke chapter 2. Think about it for just a moment when all of your sins mound up against you. We sing, Oh Holy Night, with such a beautiful note that resounds, and we think, I could never measure up to that. But God chose a liquor store owner, a man who did not worship Christ as the Messiah, a, 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 a composer that was a forgotten parish priest, and an American who had an ulterior motive, like there's none of those in this world. Come on now. He chose four unlikely people to present a gospel message that has been heralded since 1847. Can I tell you, stop trying to outlive your past and start celebrating the fact that on that night one was born who can take your negative past and give you a good future and a good present when you learn to come into his presence. You see, what I bring you today is not a message to keep you away. I bring you, what's this now? What did it say? Good news that will cause you to have what? Great joy. Great joy for all people. For unto us has been born this Savior. Unto us has been born this King. And I don't care who you are, where you're from. I don't care what you have in your hands or what you don't have in your hands. You have been invited into His presence. The Savior is born. The angels invited them to come. They came. They had been looking for one thing, but they found another. I want you to get that today. I want you to understand that. They had been looking for one revelation of who He was, but he, when they came into His presence, they found a different revelation. And I feel Jesus in what I'm about to say to you today. Most of you have got it all figured out how you're going to get into... I mean, I've heard people say to me, when I, when I meet God, i got some things that He and I need to talk about. Well, first off, He's not afraid of your questions. But I would advise you, ask them now. But most of us have this mental image of what, it, what would happen if we ever came into God's presence. Let me just say, I said it this way in the earlier service today. I didn't say it last service this way, but, but I want you, most of us feel like if we actually came into God's presence, all hell might freeze over. Some of you are looking around this morning saying, I can't believe me, you got me to church. God sent the rain so you can't go anywhere anyways. Come on now, amen. But listen to me. Most of us have this image 
that when we come into His presence, that this is what we're going to hear. Unholy. Unholy. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying to you. Unworthy. Oh, you, you, you wouldn't hear unholy. Oh, let me, let me just, let me just translate that in the modern English. Sinner. Failure. Person with a rap sheet. Person with a, a divorce. Person with a, with, with, with an abortion. Person that struggled with this. Somebody abused. Somebody molested. Somebody who's gone through hell. Somebody that it somehow has stained you and that God's gonna somehow reject you. But can I tell you what everybody who stumbled into the stable probably heard? But I, I really believe I can tell you what the conversation was because every time, what did Isaiah say when he walked into the presence of God and he saw him high and lifted up and his strength? Whoa, whoa, whoa as me but why because he's holy he's holy he's holy and the problem is this when you walk into the presence of Jesus suddenly it reverses and you're not crying unholy you join in the sound of the choir and you begin to join in crying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the one who has come for me the one I I don't know who you are, but God changed this whole message for somebody today. Listen to me. I have a problem. I pick up accents wherever I go. It's not good. Now, because, I, 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 because of my limited Spanish, I'll be, I'll be like in some Asian country somewhere, and they'll start speaking their language. I'll respond in Spanish, because if you're talking some different language, I just speak in Spanish to you. But what really gets me is like I ministered for a week down on the uh, uh, the bottom of, in Galeano and cut off Louisiana, and and in about a week I I came back knowing I never said Gator the same way. <laughs> Give me some gumbo. But my accent begins to change. I'm trying to figure out where was I even going with that. Come on now. My accent begins to change. And, and as I get into those environments, all of a sudden I begin to pick up those sounds and those, those things. And, I, and what happens is their culture begins to change me. And there's something about that where their culture begins. I always tell people who go on a mission trip with me, don't go back and blow your family away acting like they don't know something. They won't like you. But what's happened is you've been immersed in a different culture and you found something that changed you. I'm preaching to somebody here. Most of you feel like you could never change. The problem is you've been only approaching God for the present He can give you, how He can help you out of your problem, how He can help you out. I'm preaching to somebody, how He can help you out of your struggle, how He can help you uh, uh, find the finances or the job or the, or the spouse you need. You've only been approaching Him for the present. But what you need to realize was the beauty of that night that on an unholy night with an unholy people, he came into their presence and invited us to come into his presence. And when you get in his presence, you begin to pick up his attributes and you begin to sound like him. You begin to talk like him. You begin to act like him. What you need is to stop searching for the presence and start searching for the presence of the living God. And when you get in his presence, start expecting everything to change in your life. Come on, why don't you give a good God, a holy God, a good praise. I'm going to call Stephen out on this. Stephen, let me just, I'm going to preach to you for a moment. Listen to me on this. 
So here's the problem. Most of us have an, envi- an environment that we, that we feel like is safe for worship. When we get into that environment, this is how we worship. Okay, And the reason I'm picking on Stephen is, is he worships the way he worships. I've seen that. He worships the way that he worships. And, and, and maybe you don't worship the same way that he does. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to create an atmosphere in this church where I don't care how you worship, I just want you to do it. If you're quiet, if you're loud, if you shout, if you cry, I don't care. Just do it. Just worship however God has called you to do it. Uh, my kid said to me, Daddy, do you have to act like that up there? I said, I try not to. But the problem is this, when you get into his presence, as he begins to change you, you begin to realize something. Here's the problem. If you can enter into his presence and not be changed, you really haven't gone past the presence into the presence. Am I preaching truth? Because this song really sums it up. This song says it this way. It doesn't say... I suggest that you bow your heads. You've never been in his presence if you think, oh, I just, I just, I just watch. No, the song says it so much better than I can. Fall on your knees. Hear the, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. Those angel voices. Oh, night. Divine, fall on your knees. You cannot enter into the true move of God without being touched, without being moved, without being changed. And so what we have here is understand that we have been invited into his presence. Come, let us worship and bow down, Psalm said. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Listen to me now. Fall on your knees knees is a shout from the fields that he is mighty, that he is merciful, that he is good, that he is powerful, that he is present. Come on now. That he is all knowing, he's all caring, all loving, and he's the soon coming king. And we have been invited into his presence. But every time I say that, some of you say, well, not me. See, you've missed my point. Don't make me preach the sermon again. No matter who you are where you're from, what you've done, how your life has hurt or, or helped others, whether or not you are the abused or the abuser, whether or not you've come from all different backgrounds, we have been called into His presence. And it, you will never be the same when you have been overwhelmed to the point that you fall to your knees and you lift your heart and you lift your hands in declaration that we have not come before a mere man. We have not come to talk about a simple baby that was born. But I have come to declare to you that God Himself unrobe the glory of heaven and put on flesh and became Emmanuel and came among us. What have we been studying? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Then come, oh, come and let us adore him for joy to the world. We can on a holy moment enter into the presence of a holy God even though we're not holy. If you give him a praise, I'll get done. Either y'all feel God or you really want me to finish. Stand with me. All right, here's what I want you to hear. If you really embrace his presence, then you're going to have a response. I'll say this again. 
See, when the wise men, wise men came bearing, I thought it was cute how the kids said that, bearing their gifts, it was a gift exchange that they didn't really take anything from. Except they had been in his presence. When the shepherds bowed before him, can I tell you, can I tell you what happened when they became the first evangelists? Are you ready for this? They went back to their fields and they still stunk. You see, Jesus didn't come to make it all about, I didn't come to tell you today, you know, if I wanted to call you to Christ and I said, tomorrow, if you get saved today, tomorrow you'll have $100,000 in the bank and, every, and your mortgage will be paid for. There, every one of you get saved whether you need it or not. It's not about the presence. It's about the presence. That even though I may not change my physical world, what happens in my spiritual world is going to start changing me so that I don't fit in that old world anymore and I start moving to where God's called me to be. But here's the way, here's the way I love their response. Watch this. What Do you remember I told you to say this with me in the very beginning? The shepherds heard the truth and said, go worship him. Do you remember what they said to each other? Let's go. Let's go. Can I tell you today, you have been invited into his presence. And there's really only one response. Let's go. But I hear your responses as it were. But you don't know what I did yesterday, Pastor. No, 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 you missed the whole sermon. Your unholiness is ready to meet his holiness. Your failures and your weaknesses will change in the presence of a holy God. There's only one answer. Will you go with me into his presence? Oh, you're missing it. Let's go. Will you go with me into his presence? See, it's that simple. All right, God, let's go. And here's what happens. When you get in the presence of God, you're so changed that you're now called to proclaim his presence. Let's say that again. When you learn to get in the presence of God, you are now called to proclaim his presence. What I mean by that is very simple. That now that I have gone into his presence, I stand here telling you, come on, let's go together. It's not an exclusive club. It's inclusive. He came with great news for, what's this? All people. Bow your heads in this place. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now. Real Love Now.